Oh yeah! You feel that? Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Mac Weldon and Squarespace. Squarespace! They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canato. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who wears thick jeans and long sleeves, even in triple-degree heat. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Ooh, I think that sounds like an album name. Thick jeans and long sleeves. I like that. That's you. I'm uh, constantly amazed and and actually a little horrified. To be fair, I don't. In the winter, I have like 18 or 21 ounce denim. And in the summer, I'm wearing, I think there's six ounce. Very light. It's summer weight denim. I love that you know the ounce of your denim. Yeah, dude. There's two things you know in ounces in America. Drugs Mm. and denim. Mm, (laughs) I I I don't do drugs, so I know my denim. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we're not going to talk denim this week. We're gonna, we got lots of stuff to talk about. Oh my gosh. If you thought the summer was a lull for video game news, we are out of the lull. The lull has ended. We are in it. We've got a deluge of stuff to talk about. We got new games coming out and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, oh wait, you know, before I do, before I even introduce our guest, I want to say something right at the top because we've mentioned this a couple of weeks now at the bottom of the show, but it's possible people don't get to the bottom of the show. And I want to mention at the top, Christian and I are doing a new video show about video games called Week in Review. It's written. It's fun. It's funny. I think you would like it. It's not easy to find. It's kind of in soft launch right now. But uh, both of us are proud of the show we're making, and we would love for more people to see it, even though it isn't officially sort of out. So you can check it out and get you know, give us your feedback and let us know what you like and don't like about it. We'd love to know. Uh, Christian actually has built a page uh, with all of the episodes that we've done so far on it. It's not official. Like I said, it's kind of in soft launch. It's actually for an app that you can get in the app store right now called Network. But Christian, tell people where they can find the show on on your uh, Tumblr, I guess it is. Yeah, you, I mean, you can just go to christianspicer.com slash week in review. W-E-E-K-I-N-R-E-V-I-E-W christianspicer.com slash week in review and i archive them there they come out on fridays yeah we'd love for you guys to let us know what you think of it like i said it's uh it's a show we've been making for a while now but it's sort of not officially out it's not easy to find but you can you can find it on that app the network app uh which is out on uh android and ios all right so back to introducing our guest, whom I am so glad to have back on the show. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because once again, DLC stands for Divisions, Leagues, and Championships. Because we've got the Chief Marketing Officer of Out of the Park Developments, as well as the founder and contributor to the Press Row Podcast, a weekly sports video game podcast since 2012. And he's also our official, unofficial DLC sports contributor, Mr. Rich Grisham is back with us. Hey, Rich. 
What's happening, guys? Of all of those uh, things that you mentioned, the last one is is really cool. I love that. Thank you for for giving me that. I'm so happy to be back on the show. I love DLC. I listen every week. I have been big fans of yours for many years, back through the whole uh, path that many of us have followed. You know, you guys on since the days of Weekend Confirmed and 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 everything since then. So it's always a thrill. Thank you for having me. Oh, we love having you on, and it's it's that time of year again. The, uh, the the smell of grass is in the air, and the and the temperatures hopefully will be cooling eventually. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, preseason football is on my television. Ah, so and we got new Madden. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna talk about that. But oh my gosh, there's so much news to talk about. We got to start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of video games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Some fun folks over there. Really cool community. I recommend you giving it a shot. Rich, you are our guest. Lots to choose from this week. Uh, You do get first pick. So what would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Well, it may not be the biggest story in the video game world, but it's definitely the biggest video game story in the Grisham household. And that is all of the great Super Smash Brothers Ultimate content that Nintendo has released. Uh, you know, my son is a big, well, my son's a Nintendo kid. He's 11 and he loves Super Smash Bros. And so naturally, by extension, I'm getting excited about it. You know, it's sort of fun to watch him uh, really for not the first time, but there's hasn't been a whole lot of times where he's sort of been able to follow a game from when it's announced to when it comes out that he is really excited about. So that was very well received. All the characters, all the levels, all the stages, it, the, the game, it, whether you're a smash brothers fan or not, if you're a switch owner, I mean, the amount of stuff this game is going to throw at you that looks fun and, and exciting and appealing to longtime players and inviting to new players, it's it looks really amazing. So that's the big thing going on around our neck of the woods. Yeah, you know, it's Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and there have been a lot of video games that have used that little uh qualifier in their names, Ultimate, and I don't think any of them have earned it as much as Super Smash Brothers Ultimate has. Uh it is quite a package as you mentioned. We got a new Nintendo Direct this week that outlined even more crazy info unveiled even more characters five new characters in all including some new echo characters uh simon belmont from castlevania and simon's echo character and king k rule the bad guy from donkey kong uh all kinds of new characters 103 total stages now there was a whole section on music for the game i mean it really is you talk about fan service. Super Smash yeah. Brothers Ultimate is like a compendium of fan service. It, one wonders where they can even go after this because it's got everything. I, I can't imagine there is even some obscure thing that somebody wants somewhere that this game isn't going to touch on. So um, I'm excited as well. I'm not into this game, but it's it's just so cool to see such a comprehensive package uh from from nintendo what do you think the future of the super smash brothers franchise what's left for it uh rich what do you think well i I think it just becomes part of what 
Nintendo is going to have in five years, which is just you subscribe to Nintendo and you get all of their stuff. And all of their stuff is Smash Bros and Mario Kart and Zelda and Metroid and everything and the old stuff and the new stuff and the stuff that's meant to be in massively multiplayer online worlds and the stuff that's meant for you to just play on your own. That's, I mean, there's no other where, no other way that this is going, but we're talking five years from now. So I think what they're doing with Ultimate now is fantastic because this will clearly be one of the definitive titles for the Switch. It will ramp up the sales of it for the holiday season, and it will be a game that I'm sure they... They can add things to if they can, but they certainly support with events and with all sorts of interesting things for two to three years minimum. So I think they're just they're going for it. This might be the last sort of traditional Smash Bros for a while. But no matter what, I I think they're just like you, you nailed it. This is fan service. This is the game. (laughs) This is the game. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Christian, uh, what do you have any favorite um, bit of of the reveal here? Any any characters that you were happy to see added? And and I'd also love your take on on what you think the future of Smash Brothers can be. Yeah, for me, and I know that echoes are a little divisive in terms of divisive, divisive. Same word. I think, I think both work. Yeah. Sweet. Um, in terms of just you know being a palette swap or a reskin of a character, even though they have a few of their own custom animations. But I was definitely on the side when they were like, and a lot of our fans have been asking for Dark Samus. And I was like, yeah, me. Uh, (laughs) I love the Metroid Prime games. I think seeing Dark Samus in Smash Ultimate is cool. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to main her. I've never been great at a, a great Samus player. She's always been a little too... Uh, weighty. I don't. She's not necessarily slow, especially with her her roll and her ball. But I've never been great at her. Um, and then I think the Castlevania inclusion looks awesome. Looks awesome. Simon looks very slow, but that whip looks super powerful. The way they said that he has the longest reach standard attack of any character in the game. I think that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays. And then, yeah, I mean, this game is everything, right? It's launching with GameCube controller out of the out of the gate, which is you know a stalwart for the competitive scene in Smash, and that was a later addition to um, the Wii U version. And I think Europe they've announced the uh, a collector's edition that comes with the the GameCube controller and adapter and the game. And I don't know if that's coming here yet, but hopefully, you can take your Switch with you anywhere and just play pick up smash with people the docked mode the competitive mode i think i mean this this is smash and i know some people will never be happy because it's not melee but um for me and i think uh, a lot of other people this is going to be when you look back at smash it's going to be this game it does everything and everything really well um i think going forward where does a franchise go from here um I I think of a, a reboot. I think it starts again. I think it rethinks what it is. And I don't know if it goes, and maybe it'll be a misstep. I don't know if it goes like Mortal Kombat 4, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> 3D and you're not on a 2D plane anymore. Maybe it goes um, Power Stone-esque in terms of layout or presentation. But I do think the next Smash, um, I don't know how else you, you keep this formula going when this game has everything. But I... I'm I'm ready for you to tell me how I'm wrong, Jeff. I I just don't know what it is yet. I yeah, I mean, I think the only reason that you have a next version is if the next Nintendo platform somehow does 
uh, online play better, smarter, hmm. you know, more comprehensive. I don't know. I, I, I anticipate really that being the only sticking point with this game is if there's any hiccups that way. I know people have been having success playing Splatoon and other games uh, online on Switch, so maybe that won't be a problem at all. But it feels like this system, the Switch, that's not its strongest suit, right? And they're and they're putting out a lot of games that use that kind of functionality or built around online play, but none more than Super Smash Brothers. Uh, and I wonder if there will be any when it you know when the rubber hits the road and the player base gets huge, if there is any emerging issues there. Maybe not. Maybe it'll be you know smooth and and perfect. And in that case, I think you're right. I think if you call a thing ultimate, you put in everything and the kitchen sink into it. It's time to sort of sunset the series, at least for a while, right? You got to either reinvent it or just let it, let this be the one and just kind of uh, continue supporting this kind of like what they're doing with Street Fighter V, right? Just letting that be a game as service type of a situation because it doesn't feel like there's a place to go with this formula after this. But, you know, folks at Nintendo... Can can prove me wrong. They certainly have rebooted a lot of their franchises, right? I mean, Breath of the Wild is that um, Mario um, uh, uh, Odyssey. Yeah, Odyssey. Brain was not working. Uh, Mario Odyssey is that. So it's certainly not beyond them to do that with their most prominent franchises. I think it would be cool to see what Smash Brothers could be after this. But again, Rich is right. This won't be, you know, that won't be for five years or whatever. Maybe the next Nintendo Direct, they reveal, they talk about the single player options, whatever those are. And then they do like, uh, and wait, there's more. And then Pen flies up and it's become Super Smash Brothers penultimate. Oh, there's one more. There's one more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, Christian, what about you? What's your story of the week? Um, so I, I think we talked before the show and I'm just going to say, we're not really going to talk about it, but it was a big story this week and I'm going to just mention it now and we can kind of move past it. But there was a dead cells review that was plagiarized. You can read about it online. Um, we kind of talked beforehand and it's, we're not really going to focus on it this show, but we are aware of it and we're opting not to really discuss about, discuss it too much. I personally say, go read uh Kotaku. If you want to find some information on that, you can find it there pretty easily for me the biggest story of the week oh man i we need to talk about one other trailer but the biggest story of the week you texted it to me when the tweet went out it's shadow of the tomb raiders difficulty options it's something that jeff i know you and i have talked about on this show for a while where easy means combat is easier but what if you stink at puzzles it doesn't help you any or vice versa and that's what this is doing there are difficulty settings that affect combat uh, exploration puzzles um so it's it's you get to kind of build your game like what do you want tomb raider or shadow of the tomb raider to be and i'm super curious to see how this plays out like what's a harder puzzle is it 10 more uh things you need to line up or like one more crate you need to push or because my brain has been taught to think difficulty means enemies either hurt me more or can absorb more damage and i'm so 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 curious to see how this plays out but i think it is awesome i, I think it's awesome i agree uh like you said i texted this to you right when it happened i think this is it's something that needs to catch on and be a new standard you know in the same way that difficulty levels are kind of a standard for video games but tend to be just changing the health of you vis-a-vis the enemies, right? How much damage do you do to them? How much damage do they do to you? That's really what a difficulty setting changes, right? 
and this I, this idea, while it is not the first time it's ever been done, it feel because I mean, people were tweeting me uh, examples of games that have done stuff similar to it. I feel like it's the first time it's been done in a AAA game of this high profile, and I think this is a brilliant, brilliant idea. So they have kind of gone through in their announcement uh, about this. Um, Square Enix has kind of gone through how Shadow of the Tomb Raider's difficulty settings are going to work. So there's three different uh, modes that will have independent difficulty settings. So combat will have an easy, normal, hard, and deadly obsession, just out of the hardcore. Exploration will have easy, normal, hard, and deadly obsession. And then puzzles will have easy, normal, and then just one hard slash deadly obsession, right? So here's how that works. You understand how combat would work aim assist and health and all that stuff. And, but exploration is uh, on easy. You have white paint for things you can jump and grab onto base camps are lit up. Uh, There's a longer timer for when it'll save you when you, and you try to leap and grab something and you don't push the button to, to put your hands on it. It'll have more leeway there. Brilliant. Uh, normal will have white paint, but it's only discreet. It kind of not obvious all the time, not as in your face as easy and hard will have no white paint at all. So you have to literally find the handholds naturally rather than doing the thing that we often kind of make fun of in these games, like uncharted and, and tomb Raider games where it's, you know, somebody came through with a piece of white paint and (laughs) painted the ledges everywhere and the art, art direction on these games has gotten better and better in hiding it. But here's a mode where you can just turn that off completely. And then it also doesn't affect how hard the combat is. So you can make the exploration super hard if you want and make the combat super easy. If you just want to blow through the enemies for puzzles, easy uh, gives Laura direct hints of the next action to perform and interactable objects are highlighted in your survival instincts mode. And then objects necessary to progress are highlighted in blue. So you see all the objects that you can touch and then the ones that are absolutely essential to solving the puzzle are even a different color. So it's like spelled out for you what you need to do. And it increases and there, there are timed events like she needs to you know turn a crank and then run across the room and turn another crank. The timing lasts longer. So it gives you more leeway there. Brilliant. Normal is what you would expect where you know the interactable objects are highlighted in survival instincts, but not it doesn't just point a big arrow at the ones that are how you solve the puzzle. And then hard, no hints at all, no survival instincts. So you don't even have that mode where it shows you the highlighted stuff. And again, you can adjust all of these individually. So if you want the puzzles to be hard, but you want exploration and combat to be easier, you can futz with it however you like. I think this is brilliant. And I want this to be the standard, as I said. Rich, what do you think about this? I agree wholeheartedly, uh, not to shamelessly self-plug, but one of the things that Out of the Park Baseball is known for is a dramatic amount of customization options that players have. And I really think that, I mean, I'll, I'll answer that question, Jeff, with a, with a question that I, I'm going to pretend to ask you, but I'm actually going to ask myself, which is how many games in your life have you quit or not enjoyed nearly as much as you would have because of one of those three or four kinds of settings that you mentioned the answer to me is a lot right (laughs) i mean i think i think honestly it is not always because they're too hard it's often because they're too easy but only in a, a certain aspect of the game like it is very frustrating to me 
when I want to sit around and think through a puzzle and an NPC goes, Hey, did you look over there? You know, or whatever it's, it often happens that I'm like, no, I was, I was really thinking about this and I was really excited about being challenged in this way. And yet the game goes, oh God, well, they haven't moved in a, you know, 48 seconds. So I All guess, right, Jeff, I guess time to move them- on to playlist. We've been here for too long. Let's go to playlist. <laughs> right. Jeff, right. we got a section called playlist coming up. It's right. Let's do playlist. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you tried pushing the bumper, the bumper button? Have you tried playing the little song that makes the playlist start? The, the bumper button is right there, Jeff. You can just press it. Yeah. If you need me, I'll be standing facing this wall, m- mentioning playlist every couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's 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 great that you can bump things down to easy as needed, but it's also great that you can make certain aspects harder because often I I you know I wouldn't want to be killed in one hit with enemies. I don't find that particularly fun in these kinds of games. But I think it would be really fun to make exploration not self-evident, make you actually have to look at the wall and try to figure out where to leap to. I think I'm going to experiment a lot with this when I play Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I think this is brilliant. There's some good things in the chat here on Twitch. Uh, Mr. Latap, I think if a game has two main types of gameplay, you should have two difficulty categories. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> Tondagosa says, I need custom difficulty in my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> How difficult? Uh, th- we're on easy, clearly. Our show is on easy. Uh, but, um, I don't, I don't know. know. It we... depends if you listen live or if you listen to the RSS. The RSS is easy. Live, sometimes you, you hear that. It's, we play on hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. You are on hard mode playing uh, listening live because there's mistakes and uh, <laughs> people drop out. <laughs> it's all fixed in post. <laughs> I'm, by the way, I'm cutting all of that out so no one knows except you live listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this is this is just really the coolest thing. I, I was, I was so thrilled about this. And like I said, I hope people love it and it doesn't seem to be that difficult to implement. I mean, these are not huge changes to the game. There's, there's simple things that seem like they could fit into at least all games of this type of which there are many, you know, these kinds of uh, third person action exploration games. I, I think this is great. Rich. Yeah, I think the oh. others, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Christian. I have a question for you, and I don't want you to reveal data you can't reveal, but I'm curious, you know, in all the settings you give people, how much you see people, you know, going kind of all the way, air quote, easy, or to what extent they do tweak just certain aspects of it to customize the gameplay the way they like to play, Um or is it, do, is it kind of like a, eh, I, I'm a casual player, so I do this? Or is it? do you see a lot of custom tweaking that happens? A lot of custom tweaking. And that's a lot because of the nature of the kind of game as a strategy game and with so many different systems. And sometimes you want to have a challenge and sometimes you just want to win the World Series 10 times in a row with your favorite team. Yeah. So I like it when that, Bo Jackson can run for 700 yards in a game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there are definitely a lot of a lot of customizations. People really like the, the agency to be able to control their experience. And and the other thing that, that you know, as, as you're talking about it, that I that I thought of is that it really does expose those systems in pretty stark relief. And, and I find that very interesting and hopefully uh, informative to people who play the game. I'm always amazed, even though 
I shouldn't be because we've been reading about and talking to people about these kinds of games for a long time. But I'm always amazed at the immense number of systems that have to work for even just the most rote video game to function. And so that that's another, you know, it, it, it almost does open the door a little bit too much to where you could really just not have the experience that the developers, quote unquote, don't or are sort of want you to have. So I can also see some people sort of pouting in the corner, like this is not the way it should be. You should play the game the way that the designers wanted you to play and not have to do that. But uh, again, I, I, it, I think it brings those systems in relief and really exposes a lot of fascinating stuff. In the chat room, uh, G saves said, can I have Jeff on easy and Christian on hard? And uh, I have two thoughts about that. One is <laughs> I kind of don't know what that means. And then the second one is, aren't we doing that already? <laughs> what is that you don't try and i put effort into it is that what this <laughs> i don't think it's about effort i think it's the other way around then okay great <laughs> uh all right um i mean that was really going to be my story of the week too i think that is uh well you can really claim it and then i'll mention exciting. red dead <laughs> no 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 i think red dead is the story of the week. although we're gonna, we're gonna bring up a couple of other things too but yeah red dead redemption 2's gameplay trailers you know i think objectively is is a huge huge story we have seen numerous Red Dead Redemption 2 trailers up to this point, what, two or three of them up to this point, uh, that were all sort of mood and teasers and just kind of establishing the world and the tone and some some vague hints at story. This one is unlike anything I've ever seen Rockstar do, which you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember them ever putting out something that is sort of as clinical. And- no. Yeah, it's like a documentary about... It's the opposite. Usually you have people... I mean, I remember it's a few years back, but like when the when the, the Rockstar trailers would come out for Grand Theft Auto, you would literally look frame by frame for hints and clues as to what could possibly be happening. This was amazing. Yeah, they, they usually have like this rockin' song, you know, and they're kind of stylized and cool and hip and most like a, more like a music video. This one is like... Hi, I'm here to tell you all about Red Dead Redemption 2. This is what you do in the game. These are guns. This is a horsey. You know, it's like, it's uh, it's very clinical. One, tell them goodbye. You have a few <laughs> yeah. months to do that. My goodness, does this game look massive. Uh, I tweeted when I saw it that uh, I think Rockstar has finally made a video game that takes more hours to play than there are. Because uh, this, I feel like, I, I, I don't know how I could possibly fit all of the. I mean, it feels like, just cultivating different horses and tending to their needs is a 60 hour game. <laughs> you can play 60 more hours, just sitting on a boat fishing and 60 more hours, you know, talking to all the people around the campfire. It's like every person in the campfire around the campfire has their own stories to tell. And it's like the shot they're showing is 40 people around the campfire. And you're like, really? All of those people? One, one guy's them? like holding his hand up, like holding it with one arm. Like he's had it up for so long. Like he, he wants to go next. And he's like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah. I got a story here to tell. <laughs> okay, Frank. Okay. This one time I was on a horse. That's it. That's the story. <laughs> yeah. So this is, I mean, it, it was quite a, quite a thing, this trailer. It really broke down a lot of what the game is going to be, how they've improved gunplay, uh, how big and expansive the game world looks to be. There's a lot to dig into here. Uh, Rich, I'd love to get your overall thoughts and anything that jumped out at you as as something uh, uh, different or interesting or impressive about this trailer. Well, I mean, 
I'm getting this game when it comes out day one, uh, as will everyone else in the civilized world. Apparently not, because <laughs> you know? people are still buying GTA Five, right? <laughs> well, that's, right true. Yeah. that's true. Yeah. Like people yeah. will buy it uh, from now in the next five years, they'll keep buying it. And, and, and so, I mean, I'm there. I mean, I've played as you guys have, as everybody has, all of all of the games. I, I've sort of my my personal sort of enjoyment of the Rockstar, you know, GTA slash. Red Dead games has sort of gone down a little bit more recently. wasn't a huge fan of GTA Five, but I loved Three and San Andreas and Vice City and, and all those things. Uh, but anyway, it's just you know, this look this looks like a little work. And like you said, Jeff, like there's a lot to do that didn't look exciting. Like I didn't really want to have to like you know move the cattle from one spot to the other, and I really don't want to have to do any cooking, and I really don't want to have to you know like just chop some trees down to, to build a house. Like I would kind of like, like, like to not have to do that. But then a minute or two later, there's like, and then you're in a gang. And then in your gang, you get to do all of this stuff and you get to go take money and steal things and do that. And like, okay, now that sounds a little more like that might be something fun to do in a video game. I just, uh, like you said, Jeff, I found it so fascinating how they introduced it and they clinically walked. They say, this is your name and this is your gang. And this is what you know. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I don't need to wait to play the game to learn that. That's, one way to to sort of you know explain how who you are and how the game opens. So yeah, I, I was it, it looked ridiculous. It just the the visuals were unbelievable. But after the first couple of minutes, I was a little like, huh? And then by the end, I'm like, okay, I, I'm what what I need to remind myself is that the people who are making this game are literally the best people in the world at making video games, and now also the most successful. So I'm pretty sure that everything that they're putting into this is going to be pretty amazing. So it was just a, it was a curious way. Like, I don't think that there were a whole lot of people sitting around excited that like, "Ah, I'm going to do daily chores. What? (laughs) That was a little weird, but you know, yeah. All it day one. Lots of folks in the chat room telling us that uh, I am indeed wrong. Uh, that they have done stuff like this before with the uh, voiceover kind of clinically outlining things. I suspect that I didn't do any research about that. It just felt different than anything I've seen from them. But evidently, the first Red Dead was like that, uh, or the first Red Dead that Rockstar did, I should say. Um, uh, my, to me, the 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 best takeaway from this video is at least for the way I appreciate rockstar games and the way i bounce off of them sometimes is that they seem to have pulled back from their sort of rockstar mentality of being in your face all the time and there's some indication that you can go through a lot of this game non-violently that you have options with how to deal with people that so you could sort of craft the disposition of your character in a way you haven't been able to with a lot of their games and i appreciate that you know i mean i i like shooting stuff as much as anybody in a video game but it's nice that i don't have to be a complete uh uh cretin <laughs> all the time you know playing grand theft auto 5 you you play some vile people in that game that was my problem with that game like there were just some missions like there there weren't missions in gta 3 and san andreas and vice city where you had to basically go out and, and hurt civilians or, or if there were, I don't recall them. They were, I mean, obviously in those games, civilians were, were casualties of other offenses that you were, you know, committing at the time. But 
you know, GTA five just had me do some stuff that I was like, eh, I don't want to do this. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping that what you're saying, Jeff is, is a big part of this because they say you can be honorable. I'm like, I, I would like to give that a shot. I'm down for being honorable. You know, I've, there's plenty of video games where I've been reprehensible. I, I'm, I'm cool with trying this out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bunch of uh, evidence uh, from the trailer, which again, they have said everything in that trailer was taken, uh, from in-game footage from a PlayStation 4 Pro, uh, which is pretty cool, especially how beautiful the game looked. Uh, but there's a lot of evidence on screen in all those moments of different options. Uh, people are, you know, examining uh, the uh, the reticle on screen or the, um, the HUD on screen that shows what each button does. And there are different ways to greet people or antagonize them or dismiss them. Choke is one of them people see. Um, so... There's there's a lot there, Christian. What about you? What what did you? What was your takeaway from from this trailer? Yeah, I feel like the intricacies of this trailer weren't fo- like this wasn't a trailer as much as it was like a gameplay look, right? Like this wasn't the splashy. They've done those already. A couple of them, like just teases or the commercial that would be on TV that will play during a football game or you know whatever it is, where it's beautiful vistas, a couple of action sequences, running on top of a train and then sitting by a campfire. This was similar to Bethesda's outlining the base building you're going to be doing in Fallout 76 or you did in Fallout 4. And all of that is there. And there was a lot in Rockstar's first Red Dead also that I did very little of. I I loved that game. I played through it. I am in the minority and thinking that Mexico didn't overstay its welcome. But that was probably because I mainlined most of that game. So I didn't invest all the time and then try to do every check mark in Mexico as well. I kind of just did the main story. And so I, I think I probably can herd my cattle across the countryside, but I bet I don't have to. Right. And like a lot of this stuff is, this is the world you can live in this world. You can be in this world for forever, but there's also a story that they're going to tell. And it looks like it's a pretty compelling one, even if we maybe already know the end, uh, because of its prequel kind of origins. But, um, I thought the trailer was stunning. Um, I loved in like a lot of the combat. I think it was kind of showing you the choices or whatever, but they'd have those moments and so many of the scenes and the gameplay where it's like, you'd pick the the character up that you're in a brawl with and you'd be like, you'd give them one last chance to do the right thing. And then they want, you'd be like, I'm going to hit you. Just tell me what I need. And then they wouldn't tell you and be like, all right, going to hit you. And I loved that moment of like the animation of like the, here I go. Stop. Wait, huh? Gotcha. And things like that. Are, are subtle in games where it's like a real thing, like a, a brawl, fisticuffs, rolling, momentum. Um, and yeah. to have this be on current-gen hardware and the world to be as big as it seems it's going to be. Um, yeah, I was blown away. I was by it. And we'll talk about another trailer too that or gameplay premiere that, that blew me away also. But this console generation is in full stride right now and it is stunning. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's in full stride because uh, we hear rumors of the next console generation about to start. <laughs> That's how you know. Uh, right. But you're right, man. It just visually, it's it's absolutely spectacular. There's so many amazing shots of this incredible draw distance, and you know that you can wander through every inch of what you see from sea to shining sea. Uh, and then there's a moment in the trailer where it sort of just flashes and you're on a train, and it's this hustling, bustling train with all kinds of NPCs and color, and you're just like, oh, this game is going to be incredible. Um I agree with you about the fisticuff stuff and they make such a big deal in the trailer about how the hand to hand melee combat has been improved. It's hard to get a sense of that seeing it instead of playing it. Right. Uh, it certainly lo- the animation system looks interesting and the, the hand to hand combat looks cool, 
I'm very curious how it plays because hand-to-hand combat is a hard thing to get right and uh, to make it more than just a button mashy kind of thing. And to be honest, Rockstar has never done it great. Uh, So I'm very hopeful that this is the one where I feel like I want to get into fistfights. I want to, and I'm not just swinging wildly and hoping (laughs) because uh, they're really... Like me in a real fistfight? Yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) It feels like, you know, there hasn't been much strategy in any of these games as far as the hand-to-hand combat goes, and and it hasn't particularly been fun. So if they can make that feel strategic where I'm making decisions like a fighting game might be, um, or a a Batman-type, you know, situation... uh, I, I think that would be a massive improvement to to Red Dead. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's so much in here and so much... This game it just looks incredibly massive. It just almost dauntingly massive. And you can understand why lots of other publishers are moving away from that release date and giving it a wide berth because everybody's going to be playing this and there isn't going to be any room in your life for much else, it seems. And then when they killed Luigi, and I was just like, oh, low blow, Red Dead. But they do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's lots more news this week. In fact, QuakeCon happened this weekend. Um, It's it's a testament to how much is going on that we all gave our story of the week and none of us has talked about QuakeCon yet, where a lot of really interesting stuff happened, including that other trailer that you were kind of obliquely referencing, Christian, the Doom Eternal trailer, we heard Doom Eternal announced at E3 during Bethesda's press conference this year, but we didn't get any actual gameplay footage of it. We just got that uh, sort of CG mood trailer. They debuted gameplay for Doom Eternal, a bunch of new information about all their games, really, more information about Fallout 76, a revamp to the perk system, all kinds of stuff. But I think the biggest news coming out of QuickCon is that Doom Eternal trailer uh, Rich, did you give a chance to see that? I'm not a Doom guy, and with all of the other stuff that you were talking about, this one did not hit my radar. So, no, I don't have uh, anything to contribute to this this one. Sorry. Yeah, no, uh, Christian, I know that you were we, – we watched it sitting side by side, and uh, we were both pretty impressed with what we saw. But then we looked down and saw that it was like a 17-minute <laughs> gameplay trailer, and we were like – eight minutes in we're like no nah, i get it you kill a lot of demons <laughs> i get it that's like i'm gonna play this game i watch game like trailers you know i want to see how they're handling it what the new things they're showing and then i know i'm gonna play it so i didn't need to watch the full level walkthrough but the grappling hook the momentum of doom guy uh the way he was flying around that level and in one moment rips out like the gr- the grenade from a demon shoves it in at the demon's own mouth and pushes him away wow and also they it's not a you know official but they have said they're targeting um switch coming out day and date with the other edition switch will only be 30 frames per second the other 60 but i think that's pretty huge news of bethesda continuing to double down on switch well the doom you know the doom port that they did uh on switch i played it and it is incredible i mean you don't think that they should be able to do that on on Switch, and it's it's the game, and you, like you said, frame rate not quite as rock solid, but very playable, very impressive visually, kinetic, fast paced, and fun. So I think that's really great, and I would love for that to be something that publishers latch onto more. I mean, we get more and more Switch stuff happening, but it always feels like uh, eventually a Switch port, and I would love Day and Date to be a much more common occurrence for third party Switch games. 
Yeah, and Wolfenstein 2, I played like half an hour of that on Switch uh, at E3, and it too was, the, it was the game. You know, I, yeah. I prefer a pro controller over the Joy-Cons, but I think if, if Doom Eternal launches day and date on Switch, it will be hard for me not to pick that as uh, as the one I go with. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think I want to play it on switch first. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's tough, man. The portability is, is huge, but um, yeah, really cool that they're doing that and a testament to how adaptable their engine is. Um, I think it's how it's showing, you know, how easy it is for them to get that on switch and quickly. I mean, you, you guys have, I presume both and, or, well, I, I know you guys have the, the, PS4 Pro and or the Xbox One X. I mean, wouldn't you want to play Doom on one of those guys on a 4K TV anyway? Like, to, yes, I Doom think so. to me that would be the big one to do. I think you know. I think what Christian is saying, not to answer for you, Christian, but is the the portability is king, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's one of two ways. I either get it on my beefy PC or I get it on my Switch, <laughs> and I'm not sure which way will be the first way I'll play it. I will get it on the other eventually when the price goes down. But the portability of Switch just to jump in and play a level, especially Doom, where things like the arcade mode and stuff like that, um, you know, the replayability of jumping into levels is really appealing. Maybe PC first and then Switch later. I don't know. Either way, uh, pretty cool showing, I think, at QuakeCon all around. Like I said, there was a lot of other news at the show, uh, details about all of their games, details about their next uh, – basically all the stuff that they showed at E3. Briefly, uh, QuakeCon went into in, into more detail. And, um, you know, exciting stuff coming from it. I think Fallout 76 is going to be a really interesting game to see if the, the community embraces it like they have their role-playing games. Um I'm still skeptical about that game, but there's a lot of interesting new tidbits about uh, how things are going to work, how the PVP is going to work, what's going to happen after someone drops a nuke. I encourage you guys to look that all all up. It's a lot of uh, granular stuff that we don't really get into here, but um, I'm very curious about how that game is going to, how it's going to do. Because I don't know if that's what people want out of their Fallout games, but we'll see. All right. Uh, let's move on now and talk about the games we have been playing. But first, I want to thank Squarespace. Uh, if you have any any desire, any need, and, and all of us do at some point, to have a website, Squarespace is the easiest way to make one. It's the way to make a beautiful website. You can turn your idea into a new website. You can showcase your work. Maybe you want to publish a blog uh, or other kinds of content. Maybe you want to sell products or services or services. Squarespace makes all of that easy. If you have an if a if you have a business online or physical, definitely need a website. Even just to announce an upcoming event or a special project, a one-off website, it's great to be able to build something quickly and easily using the tools that Squarespace provides. And do it, make it look cool, do it yourself, not have to pay someone exorbitant prices to build it, not have to know anything about HTML or coding. It's all available to you. It's all easy with Squarespace because Squarespace starts with beautiful templates created by world-class designers. I did this with jeffkanata.com way back when. And uh, and you just drag, drag stuff in, whatever you need. If you want e-commerce, you want to sell something, drag in their, their little uh, widget, their little functionality, just drop it into your website. It creates an entire storefront, handles it all for you. It's pretty darn cool. They have analytics that help you grow in real time. They have built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting, and there's never anything to upgrade 
ever. It's all handled on the back end. Super simple. Plus, they've got 24-7 award-winning customer support in case you're into any issues. I've used that myself, and it's great. Make it. Make it yourself. Easily create a website. Plus, if you go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, and then, by the way, that's uh, squarespace.com slash J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, spelled for you. All one word. You get a free trial. They don't even take your credit card. You just use the stuff as long as you need to build what you want to build. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and DLC. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me when you check out. Well, Rich, you're here. It's Madden week. Uh, we should start there, I think. Um, you're here every year, the last few years, telling us about Madden and the new updates. What do you think of this year's installment? Well, uh, it's really good, and it is not transformative, and it's not trying to be. It has continued to be driven around making the on-field experience as realistic as possible to what you see on TV on Sunday for better and for worse. And it also is immensely focused on its ultimate team fan base, which is large and vocal and produces tremendous amounts of revenue. And I don't say that in a way that is anything other than positive, right? I mean, ultimate team and its ilk have completely shaped the sports game, sports video game industry. And I don't even know if you would see as many of these games as you would if it weren't for these additional revenue uh, models. So it's a lot, uh, not a lot is quote unquote different, but I think a lot of people are pretty happy with it. And, And I'm, I am too. And I think one of the reasons I'm happy with it, and this ties back to what we were talking about earlier is that I've finally come to the conclusion, guys, that it's okay to not play on all pro simulation mode anymore. (laughs) I'm I'm in an online league with a few of my friends, and that's what they play on. So that's what I'm going to play in my online league on. But after struggling through a season on all pro uh, simulation combo, and those are two different things. There's the difficulty, and then there's the sort of the the experience. I, I switched over to the arcade and I played a half a season on arcade on All Pro, and I'm having so much more fun. Bo Jackson getting 700 yards is fun, man. <laughs> it's not quite that, but <laughs> it certainly does allow you to not have to be as concerned on every single play on offense of analyzing the defense, what set they're in, and then adjusting your offensive line shift to the left or to the right and making sure that if you see the the mic uh, cueing in on your left guard to to get the right protection from your fullback, if you even have a fullback, because if you don't, then you got to call your tight end over from the left-hand side and move him in motion. And that's before you make sure that you hot route your uh, slot receiver the head over the top instead of on the call route because the second uh, safety is going to be zoning in on him. That's what Madden makes you do now on, on, on the regular kind of game. And by the way, 
that's what a lot of people have wanted. Mm -hmm. They want a very intense, challenging experience that mirrors what you see quarterbacks do when they step up to the line on Sunday. So there's a lot going on. It's, it's, it asks a lot of its players on those settings. And I'm so glad that they can let me experience that. But then, you know, when I just want to play a game of football on my own, in my own little happy little world where the Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champions and it's all fine, I'm going to put it in arcade. I'm going to put it on pro or all pro and I'm going to go win some games and not have to worry so much about it. So let, let me dig into that a little deeper because I think that's an interesting proposition because clearly you grok all that stuff, right? That you, I mean, you were able to even express that in a coherent way that it makes sense if you know what, what to listen for. And you're able to play that game. You have the the depth of knowledge to enjoy that. What is it that makes that seem like work? Or or I guess a better way of asking it is what what is it that makes stepping away from that feel like a relief? Well, it's exhausting <laughs> because when you do that 47 times in 42 minutes, mm. it's just too much. And also, I'm not 25 anymore. I'm older. I don't have the stick skills that I used to have. And there's a lot to process before the snap and then after the snap. And I really would like it if sometimes when my running back gets hit, the first time he gets hit, he doesn't go down. Mm -hmm. Maybe he can break a few extra tackles. Or maybe when I make that pass into tight coverage, maybe Alshon Jeffrey can just go ahead and grab that instead of it you know, going right as an interception because it might not have been the smartest play. Right. It's that sort of that combination of things, but really it's just, it's exhausting to go through that so much. I think that's one of the toughest things about creating a simulation of a sport is, yes. is how much, you know, uh, RNG plays into it, right? Random number generator, right? How, how much the, because when you see it on television, when you're watching a game or playing a game, even uh, and something wacky happens, something unexpected happens. That's exciting. It's wonderful. But when it happens in a video game, you go, ah, oh, come on, game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the spice that makes it magical in real life is a detriment when you simulate it because you want you want to be able to have knowledge that when I push X, it does Y, you know? Uh, so it's got to be a very tricky aspect of, of – creating that kind of experience digitally. Absolutely. And it's something that <clears throat> all of the big sports games are constantly tweaking. We talk about Madden right now in middle of August, 2018. It will be very different 90 days from now. Heck, Ultimate Team is going to be different 30 days from now. NBA 2K, wildly successful, number one, number two on MPD, month after month after month, and just destroying it in sales. Mike Wang, the creative director, he's constantly changing shot uh, positioning and how different players will react to different things or if you over dribble and all sorts of stuff. MLB The Show, my gosh, every week there's a new update and change to the hitting and things like that. Like that's the world that we live in, mm -hmm. in these simulation sports games. So it's incredibly challenging and they're always messing with it in every game. Mm -hmm. It's 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 really fascinating, frankly. I mean, I think to that point, <clears throat> excuse me, Jeff, it's like the idea of, in a I don't want to say traditional video game, in an action uh, adventure video game, people complain about uh, escort quests or 
npcs that are unresponsive or like oh great it's a four-player game but i'm playing you know up to four people can play but it's just me so i'm gonna have my squad mates are gonna be ai controlled and they're gonna be boneheaded idiots and never actually helping me and then you play sports games and i think it's a testament to while it's not perfect but how much time like rich was saying and i think how much they've done right where more often than not i would argue it it, it feels like your npcs or your characters that you're escorting around this field get it right and i think all of the math and the scripting and the ai that goes into that i think is is pretty incredible because when you compare it to the shooter and your buddy's just like shooting at a wall for 20 minutes and not pushing the flank and you're like come on but in this game your fullback will you know pick up a block for you even if you didn't assign them correctly because that character or that that AI in the game knows, oh, I'm in this position. This guy's coming. I'm not going to just stand here and let them run past me. Um, So while not perfect, I think it is pretty incredible that, what, four out of five, nine out of ten times, the the AI scripts run effectively against each other. It kind of blows me away. It is. I think what I'm talking about is more like the thing where, you know, if I'm playing Overwatch um, and I do, you know, I run into a situation with my team. There's never a point where my character like pulls a hammy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not a real it, sport. It, well, it's not a real human being and it's not trying to be a real human being. And yet when we simulate <laughs> down with an injury, <laughs> yeah. Wrecking ball twisted an ankle. Oh, that looks like an ACL tear on uh, wrecking ball. <laughs> Poor hamster. Um, the hamster pulled a hammy. And then yeah, yeah, that was the one we went. It took us a while to get there. I'll sh- I'll see injuries and raise your penalties, Jeff, yeah. because I can't stand penalties in Madden. When <laughs> I have, we're not on the third. penalties part yet. That's five yards for that penalty bring up. <laughs> I have a, th- I have a, four- I have a second and nine and a complete a fifteen yard pass that I worked my butt off to make happen for all the reasons we said. And then I got a random holding penalty on my left tackle. Yeah, that's not but fun. That's- it's sim, but it's not right. fun at right. all. And that's and that's the experience that the coach is having in real life. Is like what. And and so the the game is like, yeah, no, we're giving you experience in real life. And you're like, no game. I don't want that. I, and that's gotta be, that's gotta be the hardest thing because, you know, if I throw a pass, I want you to catch it every single time. I don't, but you know, in real life, it's going to bounce off your fingertips a couple of times. You're going to take your eye off the ball a couple of times. And in order for you to create a realistic experience, that's gotta happen a few times. I feel like in basketball games, that's got to even be worse because it's like, what are the factors of whether or not a shot goes in the hoop in a basketball video game? You know, every single time I shoot the ball, I expect it to go in <laughs> unless somebody blocks it. And that's just not human. And in order to create a, a sort of verisimilitude, a, a an expectation that you're watching something remotely human, they have to rng it up man they got to throw in a little chaos a little entropy up in there and that's just not fun it's it's why esports i think are esports where you can have like okay every you know all those fantasy characters are behaving exactly as fantasy characters are supposed to behave they're not human well the Uh, difference too i think in esports well madden is an esported game and so is nba where the nba owns teams 
But in those in NBA to have everybody playing a character um, in the NBA's league or whatever, but and that's how other esports are too. We have humans playing. So if you're playing your MOBA <clears throat> and the tank messes up, you can blame Sarah, who's running the tank, that she messed up, or you know Mike didn't stay in his lane or whatever uh, MOBA catchphrase I can say that implies I understand the genre. Um, but in foot and Madden, when you're playing by yourself against the computer, if, you, if that left tackle gets a hold, that's frustrating because that wasn't you. Whereas in a real football game, that's, you know, actual number 42 who held the guy and that human being messed up. And, and in, in the video game, it is just the simulation. And to take this a step further, Rich, and I'm super curious uh, to get your thoughts on this, because over the past three years, I've played the past three years of Madden um, and then more behind that but not as regularly this year before the show what i wanted to play something different than i did the past two years uh two years last year i did long shot mode and played through that to talk about it and then two years ago i played um more of the arcade approach or or just um random matchups uh what is that called not exhibition but maybe exhibition just played some games yeah um this year i played uh simulation pro difficulty franchise and then I did play the moments, which is ah. so play the moments is the quickest air quote, quickest way through the game. And so each game is about 20 minutes. And so what it does, and you can skip this if you want to and just play the moments, but you play like key moments throughout the game. And otherwise it shows you the field and it has like a big virtual scoreboard on the, in, in the background. And it will be like Tom Brady uh, throws it away. Tom Brady, uh, 10 yard pass, uh, Tom Brady sacked, uh, you know, whatever kick for 42 yards return for, and it's showing you these stats, but like real people's faces and pictures next to it, which I think must be really weird. If you are Tom Brady, it's like Tom Brady throws an interception and you're like, no, I didn't (laughs) because it's like not a video game character. They are humans that they are saying are messing up in this. And then it will go like, uh, I'm the Texans, which is what, I'm going to use my first game as an example. And week one was Texans Patriots. And so then it goes like the Patriots are in the red zone. It's uh, third and five. And now it's time for me to play. And so it's like, this is a key moment of the game. You and I play and I pick the play and I'm down playing Madden. And then you either succeed or fail and stopping. And then if you fail and they get a first down, but don't score, you kind of keep playing through the red zone. Or if they score, it says you failed that moment. Uh, you know, let's go to the next moment. And then it kind of runs that simulation and shows you the plays. And now it's like, okay, it's uh third and six on offense. Uh, go, you know, run this. Can you get the first down? And you play that moment. And what I found, I got, I lost 20 to nine, I think in that game, but using it as an example where I, I messed up uh, two moments uh, that I was able to play where it said I failed those moments. And I'm curious, I have not done it, like restarted a franchise, but I'm curious playing as the Texans against the Patriots. I feel as if even if I got all of my moments, if I achieved all my moments successfully, I still probably wouldn't win that game, right? Like to what extent when it's running a simulation for part of the game and then letting you play part of the game, does the player expect to win? Like if I'm the Browns, I should never win a game, right? Maybe two games in my first season as I'm playing through franchise mode before I I build up my team. And I think that is super fascinating. Like how many chances does it give me the player to win? And how much does it stack that deck against me when the rest of it is strictly a simulation versus if I'm playing every down, you know, there might be one that falls through my fingers or whatever, but I'm also seeing me choose the wrong play. So I'm curious, Rich, if you've played with this 
simulation approach and, and how you feel the game um, forwards that information and making you feel in control when half the game isn't. So I'm so glad you asked this this question, Christian, because as somebody who's been playing sports video games for 30 probably years, maybe even a little more, is that I have grown up a certain way of playing a sports game. And that was always, you start the game and the at, you start it and then you play the whole game and you play all the way through and then you finish it. And over the last few years, a lot of the games have gotten really good at let you sort of duck in and duck out. So I've completely flipped how I play all, not all, but most of my sports video games. For example, when I play NBA 2K in my GM season, I simulate all the way to halfway through the third period. And I play, I play on full 12 minute quarters so that I pick the game up midway through the third period. And whatever the situation is, I have the rest of the third and all of the fourth to deal with it. Sometimes I'm up by 10 or 20. Sometimes it's tied or one or two points. And sometimes I'm down by by 10 or 20. And it's completely changed my how much fun I've had playing the game. I love playing NBA 2K because uh, of the new challenge that it's presented me. And all my players have statistics that resemble other players, which is a typical problem when you play on six or seven minute quarters in whatever game. Your quarterbacks never throw for the right amount of yards. Your receivers never catch or in basketball, you never score enough. So I've switched my approach in NBA 2K. I've switched my approach in MLB The Show, where I player lock on a single batter for the first three to four at-bats, and then I pick the game up in the sixth or seventh inning and play the whole rest of the game. I now do the same thing in Madden. And what I, what I do is I don't do play the moments because it's it of what you just said, but I just start the game, and then I'll usually, if I'm on offense, I'll play the first couple of drives, and then I'll super sim through defense or maybe through a little bit, but I'm controlling it. My biggest problem with play the moments is sometimes you get thrown in, and it's almost like you're like, oh, wait a second. Now I'm just in the middle of this huge tense situation. I prefer to sort of have a little bit more control during the game, but I really have gotten out of playing every single play of every single game. Because number one, you'll be there for 45 minutes to an hour. And number two, the simulation engines are so good. And I think this answers part of your question in an incredibly long-winded way. The simulations and engines are so good that if I'm playing with a good team, chances are good things are going to be happening to me. And if I'm playing with a bad team, chances are bad things are going to happen to me. So it really comes down to, you know, are you willing to accept that if I get a bad team, <laughs> more often than not when I'm simming, not good stuff is going to happen or conversely with a good team is how much do you really want to control it or not? And I've really learned that I can have a lot of fun not having to have all that control all the time, but not exactly the way that moments present. Yeah. It's fascinating. Cause like in, uh, I'm trying to think of non-sports games or action adventure games, uh, the kind that I generally gravitate to, uh, it's a wish fulfillment, right? Like there's not a version of uncharted where the bad guys are better and have a better draft and have a better owner in the crafts that give them all the money and have the best coach to have ever coached the bad guys, right? Like Nathan Drake's never like, oh man, I was the number one draft pick, but my militia, they, I don't know, they didn't have any money on them. I'm going to lose this battle. It, It's meant for you to beat the game. Madden, if you're a, uh, not a Patriots fan, <laughs> you know, as a, as a Texans fan, um, it's meant for me to win eight games. But I, I think the, I think the, the better analogy isn't to Nathan Drake. It's to Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or Dota. Hmm. It's Most of those games are striving for balance. They're designed to be balanced so that if you play Blanca or you play Ryu, 
it, you're able to win. It, all the characters are balanced as much as they can, and they tweak, you know, in MOBAs and like and single player of, e- mode, even like you even, can win yeah, exactly. with any character in single player. I don't think you could win all pro sim with the Browns. Like, right? You're not taking them to the Super Bowl. No, and they're not trying to. They're not trying to be balanced, right? They're, they're trying to be close to reality, which is not balanced. Yeah, but that's that's the way. That's one of the main reasons that Ultimate Team is so popular because you have none of that baggage. In Ultimate Team, you get the NFL experience, but you create your own team name and you create your own team, the individual cards, and as much of your individual solos that you want to go through and play to get the cards and you sort of build the team you want to build in the way that you want to build it and then take it online and play against other people in really short bite-sized games not 45 minutes 60 minute games that's one of the reasons ultimate team is so popular because you you don't have to inherit the browns and rebuild them you create your own team at your own pace and your own speed and you do what you, what you, do you would what you think want. looking at a video game as a video game that part of the fantasy that you would want to sell people is if you if you're a Cleveland Browns fan play our video game and you can make the Cleveland Browns 16 and0 right like if your skill level is high enough you can make the Cleveland you, you can do in the fantasy of the video game what reality can't ever do. So I, I think that might be in arcade mode is where that would maybe happen. And then the other side of it, I think is interesting in franchise mode. And they've had this for a little while. And I, I can't speak to how it's changed necessarily, but I can say in this year, as that's what I've been playing this year is when you start a franchise, it's like, what's your goal? And you set your goal. So as the Texans, I set eight yep. wins and it was like the chance of my coach getting fired at the end of the year was low. And so I think as the Browns, you set your goal as, a win too. And I'm not trying to pile on the Browns here. They're just no, no, no. arguably the worst the team in the league for years. Um, so it's an easy example dichotomy between them and the Patriots. And so I, I don't think as, and I think you find you're getting, you get points for being successful and doing the things that you're doing. So I think you're kind of grinding your RPG character team up. And if you get two wins as the Browns, I think that's, you get, you know, you, your points and your characters level up. And so mm-hmm. I think, five seasons in, you get to take the Browns to the Super Bowl. And I think maybe that's the wish fulfillment in franchise mode. And it also is 16 games. Like if you play 16 games and and even if you play the whole games or half the games, like a 16 game season is a manageable effort. And then you go to the draft and you sign a few free agents and all of a sudden you play another season and another season. Like you, you, you try to do that in NBA in an 81 game season or MLB in a 162 game season. It gets to be almost too much but in madden franchise a 16 game season is a for a lot of people is a manageable a manageable amount of games to do three four five seasons and really say this is how i'm going to build my team and go out and do it and you know get that uh, that payoff a few years later it's interesting man I, I find this all very fascinating and um you know i, I would say uh jimmy garoppolo is in the game so it's a must buy um, <laughs> he was but, in the game last year too, Jeff. Uh, barely. I mean, he wasn't a 49er. Well, I guess he was at the end of the season. I don't know. Anyway, buy the game. Uh, no. Um, but I think, I feel like we've gone a little far afield from sort of this year's Madden. And I think the way I want to wrap this up, Rich, is asking you, does Madden at this point need to turn into a service? Like, it, it, does it make sense? It feels like, yeah, this game is good, and they they tweak some stuff, but it's still the same Madden. 
uh, does it is it justified being a completely new disc every year? Well, I think it depends who you're talking to. Uh, and licensing goes a lot into this because EA pays the NFL an extraordinary amount of money every single year to make a game every single year. So one of the reasons that it's going to be an annual game for a long time, just like all of the sports games, is because the licensing is based upon a new game every right. year. So that, that's been the biggest impediment to the game as a service. However, EA Access, many people have it. I'm one of them. Every other Madden is on it, as is every other FIFA, as is every other NBA Live and NHL. So their games already are a bit of a service. It's more of a historical document service as opposed to a single online service. Just like when, like I mentioned with Nintendo earlier, will Madden and everything that EA does be a service? Yes. I mean, Andrew Wilson said as much at E3 this year. We're just two to six years away, and a lot of that is just going to depend upon when the NFL and electronic arts sort of decide how to handle the licensing costs that go into this from a, as they make that transition. Frankly, I think the, the evidence is clear services generate massive amounts of money. Plus EA's sports games generate a lot of their money from ultimate team, which is a service anyway. So it's almost like going to a service what do you lose? Well, you lose that $60 unit cost every single year, but maybe you gain more in Ultimate Team. So it's just going to be a question of those economics. But does it need to be a service now? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Of, of all of the kind of games as a service, Madden being a seasonal football-oriented game, they 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 I'll be surprised if they don't make an annual disc for as long as they possibly can because it just makes the most business sense. My last point on the game for this year's game is that uh, the Frostbite engine and the real player motion, uh, which is like their animation physics system that had been in FIFA before and is in Madden, I believe, for the first time, is incredible. The, uh, the animations on field, you know, 9.9 times out of 10, stunning. Uh, they don't feel canned. I'm sure I've seen a couple of, uh, you know, repeats, but Frostbite is is living up to the name now i know they struggled with it when they first adopted it but it is beautiful cool. on the field living up to the name because it's cool for the browns yeah <laughs> um rich what else is on your playlist so have you guys ever heard of bomber crew i don't think i've heard you talk about uh, it. i don't think is it a Bomberman game it is not it is uh i got it um i or i heard about it from my friend pete pete dodd from the Dodcast. uh it's uh i'm playing it on the xbox games pass and it's also available on Switch. I had not heard about it. And when I Pete told me about it, I popped on and started playing it. I've basically been playing it for the last three weeks. And it's just great. It's a real-time strategy game where you are you are a bomber crew in a World War II bomber uh, in crew station in England. And you have missions to accomplish. And you've got a pilot and a engineer and a, a few gunners and a bomber and a radio person and a navigator. And you got to tell them all what to do at different points in time. Like you tell the pilot to take off and tell the, uh, the uh, engineer to fix the thing that inevitably breaks when it goes down. And, and you got to like in real time sort of navigate and find the mission and tell the people to do. Or sort of like FTL, but for World War II. Yes, I th I've, I've not played FTL, so I, I don't have the comparison to make. So you've got all of these missions that you have to micromanage what all these different people are doing. And it gets really, really intense when you've got 
uh, you know, German fighters coming after you and you've got your bomber who's got to make the drop at exactly the right point, but he's got to make sure he doesn't open the bomb bay doors too long because that takes away from your food, from your fuel. And you've only got enough fuel to get there and back and not go sightseeing or anything like that. But wait a second, out of the corner of your eye, you can get some extra desperately needed points to get that surveillance photo. So you want to make sure you go over there. Oh my gosh, I forgot to close the bomb bay doors. Oh no, the gunner has just been hit by uh, two fighters. He's down. Now I got to get my radio person to get up and go give him a first aid kit. But oh no, now the pilot is telling me that he doesn't have any more navigation. Like it's just crazy what's going on the whole time. So you've got that. And then if you get your bomber back safely and your crew, you get to level them up and then you get to level up your aircraft. So there's, you know, there's all sorts of intricate upgrades you can make to your plane as well as give your crew new equipment and things like that. But as I mentioned, if you get your crew back safely, because sometimes you don't make it back. And I didn't realize the first time when I crashed that when you crash your plane with your crew in it, that's it. <laughs> they're they're gone. You start oh, over with a new plane and you got to recruit a new crew. And I thought after the first time that that would be the last time because I'm starting to learn the game and the systems. And then I asked my son, I'm like, hey, can you help me out here? I feel like I need a co-pilot, no pun intended. So he started sitting with me and watching it, and we sort of learned how to play it together. And so my second plane and crew, he joined with me, and we were upgrading the engines and the gun turrets and giving the crew all the stuff that they needed. And we completed like seven or eight missions, and I felt like I am absolutely – the king of bomber crew. I beat the first critical mission, which sort of gets you to the next level of the campaign. And then tonight we were going to do the second critical mission sort of on the campaign. I'm like, but first, before we do that, let's just go run one little mission. Let's get a little extra money. Oh, you never do that. And then yes, we crashed and he had didn't know he had not been through that before the plane that he had named and painted and put all these cool things on. We crashed. Not only did we crash, we crashed a hundred feet oh, from the no. airfield. We just lost it, and everybody except one person died. And that is how uh, my most recent bomber crew machine. I you were say, and that is how my son <laughs> disowned me. <laughs> he was not happy. He was upset, and and but I had told him before that that could happen. So. He was at least a little bit prepared for it. He's like, oh, man. So after he got over his initial trauma, you know, he, we, we then did christen a new plane and he put some paint on it. But it, you know, it wasn't the same. And we're going to have to work up with our new crew to get back out there and do it again. But we're having a blast playing Bomber Crew. So if you've got Games Pass and you haven't played it, check it out. But it's also on the Switch. Super, super I'm superstitious. And that's why I, I never say I'm going on my last run. Like if you're going skiing, like let's go one more. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> retirement retirement is just next week. Nope. Nope. Let's do one I'm, last case. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. One last case, Christian. Retirement's next week. This will always be my it? penultimate podcast. <laughs> never the my penultimate. ultimate. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's Bomber Crew. Uh, that's Bomber Crew. What else is on your playlist? So uh, I got to mention WarioWare Gold. Um, in my, um, my son has it. We got it. He was excited for it. Came out on his 3DS. Really, I mean, if you've ever played the Wario or WarioWare games, you know what this is about. Really funny, really silly, really completely ridiculous on purpose. All of these little Nintendo-based micro games that you play through and you chase high scores. 
So much fun. So glad they made this. And uh, I asked my son what he thought, and he wrote four things down. So I'm going to literally read to you four things I love about WarioWare, WarioWare Gold from Rich Christian's 11-year-old son. Number one, the character personalities. Each character is different. Number two, everyone has voiceovers. He loves that. That's a big deal. Number three, uh, Nintendo minigames. And number four, it has the gamer level from Game mm-hmm. and Wario, which is a level that he And loves. number so- five, dad won't crash your plane and <laughs> <laughs> ruin it forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're having a lot of fun while well, I'm watching him playing it and I'm playing it some. But it's just, it, you know, it, for Nintendo fans with 3DSs, this is really just super silly, over the top fun. Wireware Gold available on Switch. And then you said you wanted to talk about Wii Sports? Because it's two thousand, it's two thousand seven. So yes, here's a quick story. So a few months ago, I finally uh, bought into the 4K world. Like I just got my 4K TV. I don't know March or April of this year. Hung it up on the wall, and what I did was I kept my non 4K TV in the room. So now I've got sort of one TV mounted on the wall near the top, and then one. Whoa! And so on the one. Yeah, you're it's like, it's, like you, it's life changing. Like what did you say? Do you have buffalo wings at your house ah, also? Don't my joke. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, it's okay. You, you did it. Jeff, I we was, hang out too much. We hang oh. out way too much. <laughs> I, I started saying it and then I heard you say buffalo wings and I went, oh. <laughs> you said it faster than me. But like, but like today it was great. I was watching Tiger Woods at the PGA Championship on the lower TV and playing MLB on the show while on the treadmill on the top TV. It's like it really changes how you can how you can enjoy the HD world. But one of the other things that it did was it allowed me to plug in my Wii U into the lower TV because I got the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One and the Switch all HDMI'd into the top one. So I got a couple of my – got the Wii U and the NES you, Classic. You know, on, you, know you have is a Nintendo DS. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yep. I've tweeted it a couple of times and gotten that response multiple times. It's really the awesome. giant DS. It's what? the XXXL. <laughs> 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 and it's not that big of a room either so it's 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 a little disproportionate but i i, I make it work um but uh, my son had been playing we sports with his buddy at, at their house a couple times and he asked me if if i would get it and we were at a, a GameStop uh getting uh buying some stuff for his birthday he had got some games stop cards and i said sure get we sports get another wiimote i don't even know if it's going to work i have a Wii buried in my closet but i really don't want to dig that thing out but he swore up and down to me that when they were playing it, they were playing it on the mm-hmm. Wii U. I'm like, all right, I got the Wii U out here. I got this sensor bar. I'll go plug that in. We plugged the, the original Wii Sports disc into the Wii U, and it worked great. Like, you just go to the Wii menu, and boom, it's just, it, it worked great. And my son and I were playing the baseball and the bowling and the tennis for about an hour on Saturday. And it was great fun. That That's a really fun game 10 years later. And I was happily surprised how easy the Wii U made it to play that Wii game mm-hmm. on it. So just really nice little surprise. And we had a lot of, a lot of fun playing. Very cool. Wii Sports on Wii U. Um, Christian, before we get to your playlist, I want to take a, a break and thank our second sponsor, which is Mac Weldon. And I have a funny story. Uh, I just had a birthday last week and uh, or the week before it was recently. And um, my dad, you're never going to believe what my dad gave me for my birthday. Uh, lo and behold, uh, on my birthday, a package arrives and it is Mac <laughs> Weldon clothes uh, because my dad has heard me talk about it so much. He decided uh, I, I would uh, appreciate more of it. 
and he thought it would be a double birthday gift because not only did uh, did he get me that Mac Weldon clothes, which I love, he used our promo code. So he's like, it's a double, a double gift. Which is, is that one of those things cool. where it says like any employees of CBS and the CBS affiliates <laughs> cannot enter to win this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, we don't get credit because my it was my dad. Yeah, I hope not. I hope it's not true. Uh, Mac Weldon, I, that's how much I like it. I mean, this is I'm not making this up. My dad actually bought me clothes from Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is your high quality basics. These are clothes that you wear all the time. And I talk about them a lot, evidently more than I thought, uh, because uh, my dad heard about it. I mean, he doesn't listen to the show. So uh, he heard about me just talking about it. It's because I wear them all the time. I'm probably wearing, wearing the underpants now. I just got some new shorts from Mack Weldon. My dad gave me some new shorts. I have been wearing them almost nonstop because they are so comfortable. I can't even tell you. They're like somewhere between... Uh, like workout uh, sweatpants shorts, like really comfortable, comfortable shorts, but they're nicer than that. So you can actually wear them out. I've worn them to work. Uh, you know, you wear them, you can wear them anywhere because they look nice, but they're like comfy, like real comfy going to the gym shorts. It's great. Plus they do antimicrobial uh, uh, underwear. They do the boxers that I wear. I love it. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. You can buy it all online. There's no store to go into. There's no annoying process to get into to, to get that stuff. Uh, it's comfortable. They have socks, shirts, uh, undershirts, hoodies. They have a polo shirt that I really dig, a striped polo shirt that I really love. I have the red one and I got just got the black one too because I like them so much. Uh, the antimicrobial stuff in the, in the undergarments actually eliminates odor for you. I mean, these are great clothes, honestly. And if you're like my dad and you want to reward us for delivering, uh, you know, well, he's not rewarding us for the show, but he's rewarding me for being born. Uh, if you want to, you know, help out the show, use our promo code. If you go to MacWeldon.com, you get 20% off your first order by using the promo code DLC at checkout. So 20% off pretty darn cool. I'm really, really glad my dad saved some money when he was uh, giving me my Christ- my uh, birthday gift as well because I appreciate it. Also, if you don't like your first pair of uh, of uh, uh, boxers or socks or whatever, if you don't like what you get, you can keep it and they will still refund you, no questions asked. That's pretty darn cool. So go to MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Use the promo code DLC at checkout yourself 20% off. All right, Christian, uh, we've come to your uh, playlist. I know you played a bunch of Madden as well, but let's talk about Dead Cells, right? Yes. So what I want to do, Jeff, is I'm going to mention two things quickly, Dead Cells and Overcooked 2. They are both phenomenal. I'm going to talk more Overcooked 2 next week after I get to play more with more people. And I want to defer time to you. You and I can talk Dead Cells together, but I also want to make sure you have plenty of time to talk Wow, which I know is exciting. So I will let you lead this conversation. I will defer my playlist time. Go by Overcooked, go by Dead Cells, and I will now defer my time to you to use as you wish. Wow, thank you. That's unprecedented. Um, I don't know what to do with all this luxurious time. Uh, I will. I tell you what, I wish I had more of, and that is time because uh, we, we're going to talk a lot about Wow next week. The new expansion drops. Well, as you hear this, it's probably already dropped. It drops Monday, three p.m. Pacific time. Uh, at the same time across the globe, we'll see how well the servers can hold up under the pressure. But Battle for Azeroth drops on on Monday of this week, or has dropped by the time you hear this. And um, 
we have a, a guest on next week. Garrett Weinzer will be our guest next week. We're going to d- dig deep into that because I haven't played any of that content, right? Because nobody can. You can't play it early. But the cool thing about World of Warcraft, at least this time around, is that the pre-patch, which they always do for an expansion – that kind of readies the game for you and, and, you know, adds a lot of the new systems and revamps and class changes and all the big uh, tweaks that they make to the game experience for the uh, expansion. It doesn't add a lot of the content, but it adds all that stuff. They always pre-patch it like a week or two beforehand. This time that pre-patch came with a bunch of quests to do a really big story beat that happens in the lead up to the story content for battle for Azeroth. And it is incredible. It's incredible. I, I, I reinstalled wow this week. I got back on, I, you know, because I have the, the uh, expansion coming, I have a boost, which means you can boost a character, a brand new character all the way up to level 110. So I spent a lot of this week trying out new classes, deciding what I want. I played uh, the last expansion Legion. I played through as a, uh, a disciplined priest uh, I thought you were going to say disappointed. I played through and I was disappointed. No, no, I was not disappointed, <laughs> but I, I was a disco priest and um, uh, I had a blast. I really dug that class. I had a fun time playing priest. It was the first time I'd played priest uh, It was during that expansion. I traditionally had been playing uh, a paladin, a ret paladin throughout the whole time I'd been playing WoW mostly. I mean, I played the first vanilla WoW. I played a druid uh, up to 60 and um, you gave rich a hard time about playing a 10 year old game yeah 14 14 year old yeah (laughs) you know it's it's crazy it's it's really a time when i've been looking back on that experience because when you return to wow there's really nothing else like it for me um i don't know maybe there are other experiences that people have like it playing retro games or whatever but there's nothing quite like coming back to wow because it it's it is a place. It's a place that I know, and a it, it recalls a t- specific time in my life when I first played vanilla. I mean, I played it on launch day. Like I went wow to the store and I bought yeah wow indeed. Um, <laughs> I you know I, and it was crazy at those times. There were there were rolling um, rolling server a uh, queue time things where they were like you couldn't log into your server at certain times. It was like overwhelmed they were completely overwhelmed you couldn't they took it off short store shelves back in 2004 for a while because um they just couldn't let more people buy the game because they couldn't handle the load and it was a wild time and uh, i was one of those people that got it on on launch day and was was right in there playing on black hand which was one of the highest uh, population servers and i played all the way to 60 and it's crazy to me that here we are 14 years later and now the level cap after battle for azeroth is going to be 120 right? It's doubled. It is, it is doubled since vanilla. Wow. We finally gotten to double the number of levels in the game, which is a, it's a crazy thing to think anyway. Um, so, uh, I, I, I did a bunch of shopping, you know, I was shopping for a new class because I had fun with my priest, but I had this boost and I really want to play a new, new class. And I think I've settled on a, a, a monk. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun playing my monk and I boosted my monk. Um, playing a Windwalker monk, which is the DPS monk class. Um, and the process of like coming back to WoW is such an amazing thing. It, you, There are very few games like it where you have uh, all of these UI add-ons that are part of the process of playing the game, installing your add-ons, fixing them up just how you like, doing 
adding stuff to your action bar in just the right ways, doing all your key mapping, um, making sure the buttons on your mouse do exactly what you want to do, learning how to use the new class, at least for me, it's a new class this time, learning how to use my new class, deciding what add-ons I need to, to change my UI, what macros I might need to do certain things. It's like, I don't know. What is it like? It's like uh, starting a new job or something. It's like start doing something where you're, you have to resituate yourself in this thing that's very familiar, but there's new stuff now and, and you have to sort of relearn it. And I'm reading a lot of stuff online about how to play this new class and what my rotation is. And, you know, WoW is so much a game about efficiency. It really is a game about doing something in the most efficient way possible, which sounds really boring. But for some reason, it gets its hooks back into me. And I realized that two things. I realized, one, that I don't think there's a game ever, ever that I have put more hours into in my life, right? I think I've played more hours of WoW than any video game in the, in, in my life. And at the same time, I, I think I've seen such a small percentage of the total content of WoW. Hmm. Right? I, I've put many, 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 an embarrassingly large amount of hours into WoW over 14 years of my life off and on. And I've seen, I think, a very small percentage of the total content of WoW, which is a pretty amazing thing to say. Um, <laughs> but also, it occurs to me that for the vast majority of the time that I've played WoW, I've pretty much only marginally paid attention to the story. Why is that? It's just not how I interface with the world. Uh, I've al- I always have the intention to, to get into the story, but then you start leveling and trying to keep up with your friends and you get new quests and you just sort of stop reading the quests and you just do things in the most efficient way possible. You're just trying to level and get new stuff. And the pure gameplay loop of WoW is so compelling in and of itself. Seeing new areas, getting new powers, getting new items, getting more and more powerful, going and doing a new thing and learning it. Like the process, the pure process of learning it. Get, you know, go to a new area, get all the quests, do all the things, do them efficiently, Level, 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 level. Get to the end game. Now it's do the dungeons, do the raids, learn the bosses, figure and, and get better at the bosses. And learning the bosses is a whole process in and of itself. It's a very technical thing. And so I've approached the game in a very technical way for the most part. I've sort of had the story in my periphery and and engaged in certain elements of it. And I'm sort of familiar with the story of WoW. It's not that I don't know what's going on, but the details haven't gotten their hooks into me a ton. Here and there, I'll get really into a quest line or there'll be a cool story beat or cinematic that is really compelling. But I've never been one of those lore people, even though I was on a show called Project Lore. I was never really one of those lore people with Project with uh, uh, Warcraft that it resonated with me. And I think that's kind of changing with this expansion because so much of what battle for Azeroth offers is story for the, I think for the first time, and that's not really, that's that's not really fair. Not for the first time. They've had big stories throughout their history and all these expansions have had big story beats, but I feel like this one is, is presenting story in a way that is much more compelling and much more front and center than ever before. And I think, well, I was just going to say a testament to that is how they have these pre-quests 
these run up to the release of of the new expansion, the the pre patch has these big meaty story quests that you take part in. So what's going on right now in World of Warcraft, if anybody's interested, is that at the end of Legion, they they defeated the 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 Burning Legion, which is this this horde of demons. Well horde is a bad word to use because there is the horde, but there's this big group <laughs> of demons, this giant giant group of demons from that invaded, literally invaded another planet called Argus, which is where the Draenei are from. And there was a big battle at the end of Legion. And at the end of that battle, this big, big bad guy named Sargeras took this giant sword and plunged it into Azeroth, like literally stabbed the earth with his planet-sized sword, right? Big deal. He stabbed a planet. And when doing so, he exposed this new element called Azerite, which is sort of like the planet's blood almost. It's like it, by stabbing the planet, like the, the stuff comes spewing out and they realize that this stuff is really potent. It like makes you feel awesome and it inspires you and allows you to do all kinds of cool stuff. And so there is now starting this big fight over this new resource and the horde and the Alliance are at it again. So that's just the backdrop upon which the real story is playing out, which is, very detailed and has a lot of uh, <laughs> specifics regarding who has killed whose son and daughter and who's betrayed whom and what has happened. And it's, you know, it's, it's game of Thrones stuff. It's like high fantasy and full of character arcs and stuff. And I've kind of gotten deeper and deeper into it. And I think a lot of that too is me playing so much Heroes of the Storm, where now I'm like all of the heroes of the World of Warcraft universe are so much more familiar to me. They're, I encounter them, I play as them in a different game. And so they're like, now they're becoming characters that I have an association with in a way that I didn't before. Because you just, you know, you just observe them in World of Warcraft. You play as them in Heroes of the Storm. So I have that going for me as well. I'm much more tied into the lore and that angle. But these quests, these these pre-patch quests, there is the famous one that the first one they came out with, the the horde raided the home, the home of the night elves. Now the night elves are one of the original alliance races. And in fact, the first character I ever played in Vanilla WoW 14 years ago was a night elf druid. That was the first character I ever rolled. So the first experience I ever had turning on World of Warcraft, knowing nothing about it. I mean, this is before there were websites and wikis and YouTube videos. I mean, it was before YouTube. Uh, But there there wasn't a compendium of information online to find out where to go and what what to find here. And it it was as if you were embarking in a new world and exploring it in real time where nobody knew anything and everybody was trying to figure it out together. It was a magical thing. And the first place I ever experienced was Darnassus, the home city of the night elves. And so that was like the the first magic spark of this entire journey for me was seeing the sort of deep greens and purples and blue hues of Darnassus and Teldrassil and the, the night elf home starting area. And it, and I remember it so vividly, like it was yesterday, exploring that area and every new, 
I mean, the, the, the biggest thing about World of Warcraft when it released was like, it was seamless. You just walked and you, there were no loading screens. You just walked from place to place. And there were these transitions to new areas. And it just felt like you couldn't believe a video game could do that uh, of this size and scale. And I always kept wondering, what was it around the next corner? What was over the next hill? And you would see that. You would see things actually change. You would go from you know these dark purples and greens into bronzes and golds of, of, you know, of, of fall. And it was an amazing experience. And so seeing that night elf city and having that be like the first place I was in world of Warcraft. And then here's this battle for Azeroth prequest where the horde invades that city and sets fire to Teldrassil and burns it. And you in this quest, you are trying to stop it. You're trying to stop them and you find out that they're attacking the, the city and you go into it and you're literally running around with pails of water and you're trying to put out fires and save people. And you know how in WoW, it's like, you know, kill 10 boars and, and it'll be like one of 10, two of 10 as you do it. Well, as you're trying to save people in, in Darnassus, you save one and it'll be like one of 970. And you're like, oh my God, how am I going to get do this 970 times? Well, of course you don't. You just at a certain point pass out from smoke inhalation and you realize how few people of the total population of that city you were able to save. I found that to be a very effective and powerful way of communicating that idea. Anyway, so you know they set fire to the city. They destroy it. Like the world is changing in very big ways. And then there's this new quest called the Siege of Lordaeron which is the the uh, the retaliation from the Alliance side where they, you know, the Horde came in and, and destroyed Darnassus. And now the Alliance is getting together and attacking Lordaeron, which is uh, a big Horde city, the city of the undead. And uh, they they are – there's this huge siege, this huge war that's, that's happening. And you are part of it. It feels like you're part of a war. There's – Armies everywhere and giant – these big moments where you're fighting dozens and dozens and dozens of, of characters on the screen and dozens of NPCs and other players are fighting. And it's it's really powerful. It leads to this huge cinematic moment uh, that is that is pretty darn neat and you see this really kind of crazy over-the-top response that Sylvanas has who's the head of the horde at, at this point. Uh, anyway, big, big story beats that have got me so invested in, in the game and I'm so excited for the next expansion. And it just is, I think, an example of how Blizzard continues to knock this out of the park and bring people like me back to the game and create new excitement for what is just an ancient game at this point. So the way I want to frame this discussion with you guys as I've done this crazy long monologue at this point is what do you guys think of a 14-year-old game that's sort of still peaking, right? I think there probably will be uh, data at some point that shows that Battle for Azeroth will be one of the highest-selling expansions they've ever done. Do you guys think, A, there are still new people coming to this game, or are they just selling people like me who have a history with it already on the same old thing? Are they just getting old audiences to return or do you think new people will play this and B do you think this can just continue forever? Can they just keep making new expansions on an old game or at some point will they have to create a world of Warcraft too? Rich, what do you think? Well, I think that 
similar to what I was talking about with Rockstar, the, the, the people who make this game and curate this universe uh, know what they're doing incredibly well and they know what their fans want as, as what you just said proves. So I think that this is really just the proof that when you, when you create worlds that people like, you don't have to have the latest and greatest, uh, you know, it doesn't need to look cutting edge. It doesn't need to be the most, uh, the, the biggest, the best, the, the whatever. If you've got this lore that you understand and you've got this world where you can go in and you can have those kinds of feelings, there's no reason to do anything other than to keep on what they're doing. And I remember, as you guys do, the conversations seven or eight years ago. But all right, WoW's winding down. You know, like they're losing, they're losing people. It's not going to be the thing. And are there new people coming in? Absolutely, there are new people coming in. Just just as there are people that haven't played the game for years that are coming back, and everywhere in between. I don't have any idea what the particulars are, but I mean, you know, are there, how many more successful companies than Blizzard are there? What they do, not many. So I'm sure that that this is all working exactly, not exactly according to plan, at least the original plan. But between what they're doing and what they're generating from a revenue and profit perspective for this, it just it seems to me there's no reason for them to to stop. Just continue to do what they're doing. It sounds like there's no lack of of directions that they can go because if they're delighting people like you are delighted, Jeff, why in the world would you do anything other than continue to build out this this amazing amazing platform? Yeah, I don't. I- I think you make solid points and I think that's probably true. But I also feel like you – I mean this is a stupid analogy. But you can keep making buggy whips until – and you look around one day and there's no more horses, right? It's like um, you can keep doing it until it doesn't work and then once it doesn't work, it's already too late, right? But they're also making a card game and a MOBA and a hero right. shooter and Call of Duty and, you know, right. depending on how you look at this company. So they're making buggy whips while also making the electric space shuttle. <laughs> right. No, that's you're not wrong. I just feel like you're also not right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I and listen, I just made a, a case for why this game endures and it still endures. And I have no desire for it to uh, not endure. But I, I think it brings me back to that B part of my question, which you guys haven't touched on yet, which is like, are there new people playing this game or is it just revitalizing an old audience? Is it just fan service for the people that already love it? Are you preaching to the choir or are you getting new disciples? Oh, you're definitely getting new disciples. There's no doubt. I mean, I there, I don't know any of the numbers, you know, but obviously, you know, I keep talking about my son. I sound like like the, the, the annoying, you know, friend that we have who just talks about nothing with their kids. But anyway, my son's 11. I talk to his friends all of the time. I ask them all the time, what are you playing? What are you doing? And they're all doing different stuff. And they're all experiencing new things for the first time. I guarantee you there are absolutely a material number of people that are hopping onto this for the first time. Now, is it... Is it a you know is it a, a a huge amount? Is it what are the percentages of that versus returners? I'm sure the returners are, are much higher in percentage. But I guarantee you, there are new people aging in to the PC gaming world every single day. And wow, there's not a huge barrier to entry. And you know when you're done, there's also a, a lot of really smart kids that are playing 
games now too. And WoW is a smart person's game. And and so I think there's definitely people that are joining up. And I think it, it might be more than, than you think, Jeff. We also have, I think Blizzard has shown that they're interested in getting new people in because right now or recently, I don't know if it's been a month or two months, but they changed um, how you can access the game where now it's just like the whatever it is, $15 a month subscription gets you every piece of WoW content but for this newest expansion, Battle of Azeroth. So for them to make that kind of change is them appealing to new players in a way that they haven't done before. You don't need to make the, you know, the first box purchase or whatever. It's give us the money for 15 bucks. You have level zero to whatever it was before this expansion, 100 or whatever it is. 110, yeah. For 15 bucks for a month. That's a lot of game and a lot of value. And I feel like they wouldn't have made that move if they weren't looking to bring new people in. And yeah, I mean, there are people that, weren't born when this came out that are now ripe for this, right? Like that is going to hook people in a big way. And because of where gaming is today with, um, I keep saying Celeste, but Dead Cells, you know, we have games of every graphical type. And so I don't think it looks as jarring as like, oh, this is an old game. It's like, yeah, uh, Battleground, PUBG doesn't look like Fortnite, doesn't look like, Celeste doesn't look like Mario doesn't look like uh, Gears of War and but they're able to still get into it and appreciate it and um, I think it's probably past its peak player count ever um, uh, but I think it's still going and bringing new people your other question I don't think they ever make a wow two. if I'm making a um, bold prediction I think Agreed. I think their next MMO will be something new I don't know if it's a brand new IP but I don't think they Back, they 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 burden it by being WoW too. I think EverQuest and other um mo sorry other MMORPGs have kind of shown that a force sequel is difficult. And I think the smarter or my bold prediction would be that it would be either a brand new IP or a spinoff IP that isn't saddled with being a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly uh, at this point, it's it's it seems like you wouldn't abandon this very, very robust world. Like uh, you, neither of you guys really have ever played WoW, but it, it, I, it's hard to even express how much there is to do in the game. It is an insane amount of content that's in that game right now. I mean, if you think about six expansions worth of content on an already very large base game, it, it's a it's a huge world. And, and yeah, it, less and less of that stuff is quote unquote relevant each time an expansion comes out because, you know, you're not, getting all the crazy powerful stuff. I mean, even the most recent expansion Legion, the big deal was these artifact weapons and they basically completely made those artifact weapons uh, redundant. They're, they're, there's no reason to, to own them other than they're pretty, but uh, it's still like all that content is there and you can go and experience it. If you're just interested in playing a really interesting, fun game, it's all there. So um, I, like I said, I've already talked about this a ton today. We'll, talk about it more next week after the expansion actually launches uh, and we have a, a legit wow expert on the show um, but I'm back you know it's it's crazy how easy it is to get those hooks back into me and stir that same love and then it'll wane you know I'll, I'll play it for six to eight months really intensely <laughs> and then it'll wane and I'll probably fall away and get you know go off to other things but man it, it's fun coming back and it's fun having this constant in my life that's always there uh, all right, Christian, uh, let's talk a little Dead Cells because uh, I, I want to mention another thing, but 
I'll have another long monologue. So let's let you talk for a while. Uh, tell me about you playing Dead Cells. I know that you've been playing a ton of it. It is a phenomenal game. It is gorgeous. It controls well. Uh, I'm playing on Switch, which I know has some frame rate and pacing problems, and I've encountered a couple of those. I know the devs said that they're working on updating the game, but I think if you have not purchased it and you want to main it on Switch, I don't think you need to wait. Um, I, it's not broken by any stretch of the imagination. It's probably not the you know it's not the pixel perfect or the best way to play the game per se in terms of graphics and stuff like that. Um, or, or frame uh, frame rate, but it, it plays great. And if you're thinking about picking it up and you want to pick it up on Switch, I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, it is so frustrating in all the right ways <laughs> where there are moments where I'm able to roll through half of a level to get out of the level. Oh, so and we've talked about it before and you've talked about it in early access, but you lose everything. If you die... You lose everything. Uh, you need to make it to the end of a, a level. Then you can bank all of your cells that you've collected, and, and and those don't go away. And you can use them to unlock new abilities and stuff like that. Um, and there'll be times where I have like hardly any health left, and I'm able to kind of roll my way through and find an exit and get out of a level and bank all those souls. And then there are other times where, you know, I have a, a build I love. Um, that I know I'm never going to get again <laughs> because, uh, you know, the roguelike style of game it is. Um, and I just feel OP and I'm just cruising along. And then it won't even be a new enemy type, but I'll just stumble into a room um, poorly or overconfidently in, a, in you know, like a, a zombie or some basic level enemy will take me out or I'll get stuck in an animation for them that's too long because I'm too confident to, to do this thing or I get my cooldown hasn't come back in yet and i try to throw an ice grenade but i don't have it and i and i die and i lose 40 cells and it's like if i wasn't playing this in handheld mode some my controller would get thrown across the room right um but it loads you back in so quickly that before you're upset enough to put the game down you're already playing it again Mm -hmm. um So I got overcooked. That's yes. That's the move. Yes. That's the move. And I got overcooked too from Gamefly and I had it and we were together and I was like, we should play some overcooked. Uh, and other people weren't ready to play yet. And I was playing some dead cells. And then I, I remember I said like, I was, I'm just going to finish this dead cells run until I die. Cause I was in a save, you know, there's not a save. You got to keep playing. I was in a sleep mode, having a pretty good run. And then I died and I started playing again and I was in the middle of another good run and people were ready to play Overcooked and I was like, oh yeah, I was just I was just playing Dead Cells to, so I could close the game. Oops, playing more Dead Cells. Like it just, it pulls you in and there's that progression of, you know, if you really wanted to, you could just grind the first level over and you're only going to get like two cells. You don't get a lot of cells in that first level, but you could play that first level 5,000 times, you know, and upgrade almost all of the abilities that you have. But the carrot on the end of the stick, the way it keeps progressing you through the game and you're unlocking this map that is similar yet different every time, the way it seems to procedurally generate its levels to the way it feels to me is it's almost like a nightmare where if you've ever had like a, a, a bad dream about going to school or being lost in your house or in an airport where it like feels familiar and you know that one exit is going to be at the top of the level and the other exit is going to be at the bottom, but it's not where you think it is. And you're like, this is my kitchen. Why is my clothes here? This isn't my closet. Mm-hmm. And then you open another door and a scorpion jumps out and you're like, there's not a, 
this is where a chest was supposed to be. And it's like this eerie funhouse time each time you play the game where if I find it lulling me into confidence and then and then punishing me. But with the visual style and the controls being as tight as they are, um, it's a highly rewarding, highly addictive game and one that I can wholeheartedly recommend while at the same time saying, I don't know if I'll ever beat it. Not from lack of playing it for 100 hours. I, I just don't know if I'll ever beat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I finished uh, I, I finished Rogue Legacy, right? And I I don't think I'll finish Dead Cells. And I think there's a there's a difference there for me. Like there's something about Rogue Legacy that felt uh, momentum even as I was failing. And this one, it feels like there are definitely times when I I just spent 45 minutes and I got nothing or next to nothing, you know, it's never nothing, but it's like, man, it just feels less positive momentum to me than Rogue Legacy did. Uh, and, and that's, and that goes a long way in making me go, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> but it's a great game. It's, there's no doubt about it. It is a phenomenal game. Well-designed on so many levels. Uh, Mr. Latap in the chat says, I think this is interesting. It says the way I described it, it is the excitement of finding a bill that allows you to beat all the bosses and all the levels. You get to pick which area you tackle first, which enemies you want to fight, and find a way to build strength to get to the end. Two-thirds prep work on a build, one-third trying to beat it. It's like trying to play a great game of chess. And I think, Jeff, for you, maybe, this game is similar enough to Rogue Legacy that you keep thinking it's Rogue Legacy, but its strategy and playthrough and reward system is very different. Where Rogue Legacy... Mm-hmm dying is the reward often or it can be because of your air that you get um and dead cells is a very different and i i did not beat rogue legacy i only put like 25 hours into rogue legacy on my on my vita i believe is how i played it um but i feel like its reward loop is different but so much of the game is the same that i could see how it's hard it's like i love vanilla ice cream and someone's like oh cool here's ice cream and you're like this is pistachio why (laughs) this isn't it's the same thing it's in a cone you like it and you're like i do but something's not right. And I, I feel like maybe yeah. you have this like disconnect because of that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, and it's not probably not realistic for me to even compare the two, but uh, I do. <laughs> I love, I love it. I, I play a ton of it. And it's, if, you know, if I had rogue legacy on switch, ugh, it would have been all over. I mean, you remember me talking about having my laptop with a, Xbox 360 Australia or something is that where you went? I remember more about that than I remember about PAX Australia so yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. that is is part of the Kanata legend that story (laughs) oh boy Uh, all right Uh, I do have one more thing I want to bring up we're running long but already but I want to talk about this because I think you guys will find it interesting so let's uh, talk a little VR shall we So a new game, a new VR game came out from a developer that has been at the forefront of VR since the technology hit the masses. And that company is Servios. Servios has put out raw data, which is actually the shirt I'm wearing right now. Uh, Coincidentally, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Uh, But um, raw data was like one of the great, quote, launch titles uh, for VR. It was out on Vive and then shortly thereafter on Oculus. And it was one of those, oh my God, 
look what you can do in VR. And this feels like a full, complete experience. They were really ahead of people, I think, in a lot of ways in creating uh, a shooter that that worked really well, movement that was compelling and uh, effective. It, Raw Data is still one of the best VR games you can play. Cool co-op mode, great game. Then they followed that up with um, Sprint Vector, which I talked about at length on the show as well, which again, I think revolutionized what people thought you could even do with movement in a VR game. I don't think it's speed. that great. And I think Jeff cheats when he plays it. I don't cheat. What do you mean I cheat? <laughs> what do you mean I cheat? Just because I whoop you every time. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's a game's broken. It's a bad game. Don't buy the game. Jeff cheats at the game. <laughs> anyway, so Servios has been, I think, one of the best VR developers uh, in in the field. And so when in, anytime Servios puts out a new new game, I'm all over it. And they just released one. Surprisingly, I, I didn't hear any rumblings that this game was even in development. Uh, so maybe they had expressed it, but I missed it somehow. But I usually they make a big deal about their next next thing. This is a game called Electronauts, and it dropped uh, surprisingly on both uh, Vive and Oculus. And I immediately jumped on it. And the thing that's crazy about it, it's not even a video game. It, it is, I guess, but it's not. It's not. It's not. Electronauts is a music experience. <laughs> uh, and I say that knowing full well that it probably doesn't sound great, but it's extraordinary. I think what Electronauts really is, is what if you could be Daft Punk and everything that means? Not, not like what if you could, you know, make the music of Daft Punk, which you do in Electronauts, but also everything they do, perform for an audience, move a camera around, create music, mess with music, have this performance art element to it, look cool while you're doing it. I think that Electronauts could very well be something that even Servios is kind of positioning to be more about a live performance than anything else. It's, it feels like a piece of software that you would go to a club and there would be somebody on a stage in a VR helmet and you would see what they were making on a big screen as you dance to the music they're making. It, it feels like a work, a platform for performance art, which is crazy to say. I want, I'll try to do the short version of what it is, but it's a very dense product that is kind of crazy. First of all, it looks awesome. And that's no surprise. Servios is at the top of their game with regard to VR visuals. But you jump into this, this experience and you're kind of overwhelmed by just how awesome everything looks around you. You are in this space aesthetic, this sort of neon cybernetic world that's constantly moving around you. And you're riding on this platform that's moving through space and you're kind of going down this highway. And so I expected the game to be a little bit like a rock band or a rhythm music game, especially because when you start the game, you start with two wands in your hand. And I'm like, oh, is this going to be like Beat Saber? No. In fact, there's not really any game to it. There's no points to be awarded. There's no challenge to be overcome. You just have a library of songs that you can sort of deconstruct and remake however you want. And you're standing on this console that, again, is on a platform moving through space constantly. You're standing on this platform and you have a bunch of consoles in front of you, a bunch of modules that you can interact with 
using your wands and you can take plugins and plug them into these consoles and they bring up a whole bunch of visual UI that you can interact with that breaks the song apart and lets you mess with it. You can, there's a series of spheres that have different elements of the song tied to them and you can play them sort of like drums to create something and you can record what you've done and then play that on a loop but that's just like the tip of the iceberg of what you can do. You can mess with the song in countless ways, break it apart, move it around, add effects, change things. And none of it feels like programming. None of it feels like playing a musical instrument. All of it feels like this wild, futuristic, interactive performance art where you're using these wands to manipulate things, play things, smash things, move things around it's hard to explain, but it is extremely cool and very compelling, but it's also like really deep, really deep. Like you can make some professional music with this thing and, and something wholly original to you. You also have all these controls to operate a camera and you have a very sophisticated, uh, body, um, mapping so you're in these suits that you can change and you can dance with it and you can record the visual of you dancing and cr- and change the perspective of the camera from first person to third person and have an external camera that you can display to an audience it's crazy it's a crazy thing that feels like somebody just went i have this weird idea can i make it and they went sure and they made it and it's 20 bucks and there's nothing like it there's nothing like it. It's more a uh, a piece of music composition software than anything else. But even that overstates it because I know nothing about creating music. And I was able to create something completely original and completely bizarre and actually sounds good in seconds. It's, uh, it's a wild thing. It's called Electronauts. You guys want to be Daft Punk? I, I, I mean, I uh, love music. I'm a musician. And this sounds... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. Uh, something that w- that I definitely would try, and I had not heard of this before you said it. So, just yeah, that sounds unbelievable. And again, as somebody who loves music, I, I got to give it a shot at some point. It's it's a little overwhelming. I, I I encourage you to to check it out if you have an opportunity. If you have a VR headset, I I think it's a must buy. It's twenty bucks, like I said. And you what you get is a bunch of songs that range from you know electronic music to more traditional hip hop to all kinds of stuff um, from obscure artists. I mean nothing nothing super mainstream at least to to my knowledge base. But um, but like I said, you 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 just completely break apart these things and reconstruct them how you want. You got the vocal track that you can mess with and do things to and take out of order. And you can – it's just – I was just standing in my, you know, my office with my headset on dancing and playing stuff and recording bits and, cre- and creating these crazy soundscapes and musical elements that were wildly better than my skill level should be. <laughs> should should create, you know, should produce. It's uh, it's an amazing thing. Electronauts. That's awesome. I encourage people to check it out. That's so yeah. cool. All right. We've gone long. Uh, this has been really fun, though. I appreciate it. Uh, we do have a parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. Rich Grisham, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it is a delight every year when you come by and talk about the next Madden 
but we got to have you on more often. I would love that. Anytime. I love the show. Huge fans of yours. Anytime. Happy to, happy to do this. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Why don't you tell people where they can keep up with you and your work uh, online? Well, uh, the coolest thing would be for them to check out Out of the Park Baseball 19 or Franchise Hockey Manager 4 or MLB Manager 2018. That's the the mobile game that we make. You know, I I run uh, marketing for Out of the Park Developments. We've been making Out of the Park Baseball for 19 years now. It won one PC game of the year from Metacritic a couple of years ago. Uh, This year has been our best selling game ever. And I've had nothing to do with it. It's all about the game, but we have an amazing community that loves the game and we're releasing patches and updates. We're releasing a quick start to it really soon and we're releasing our new online mode in beta soon. So check out Out of the Park Baseball and Franchise Hockey Manager. And the best way to do that is to go to twitch.tv slash OTP developments on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday night. All three nights, our amazing community managers, TJ Lowerman, Chris Jardine and Adam Burnett stream our games live Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday nights on Twitch. And they're awesome at doing it. And I really appreciate the hard work that they put in. So that would be great if people could go check out what out of the park developments makes, because we have a lot of fun doing it and we have an amazing community. And you've been very generous uh, sending codes to give out to our audience as well. And we appreciate that. A lot of people have been uh, delighted to get, get codes from us. So thank you for doing that as well. My pleasure. And I have 10 more for you after the show tonight for you to give out as you see fit for, to, to your listeners. Fantastic. Well, uh, if you're listening to this and you would like an out of the park baseball code, send me an email with out of the park baseball in the, uh, in the subject heading, that would be to DLC feedback at gmail.com. And we'll send you a code right out. First come first serve. All right, um, Christian, what about you? What do you got going on this week? One thing I forgot to mention, uh, I received a code for Madden 19. I always try to mention that when we talk about a game. I did not mention it when we were talking about it. Mentioning it now. I apologize for not mentioning that earlier. Um, We mentioned we can review at the top of the show. I have them archived. You can find them on the network app, kind of soft launch. Uh, Not the easiest thing to find right now, but uh, we're proud of the work. I have them archived on my website christianspicer.com slash week in review and then another show that is not scripted it's kind of like a video podcast right now a a long form conversation about one topic uh usually between myself and a gentleman named alex berg who has been a guest on this show before Uh, it's called local co-op it's also on the app and i also have a page on my site archiving those which is christianspicer.com slash local co-op, C-O-O-P, no dash or anything like that. So local co-op, you can find those there. Hopefully people dig them and check them out. And then you can find me on Twitter at Spicer Instagram, Christian underscore Spicer. And on Twitch, which recently has just been this show, Sunday nights, but it is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And when I find time to play more games on Twitch, I will tweet out uh, when that is happening. Jeff, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I do the Slash Filmcast. If you want to hear me talk about movies and TV shows, check that out at SlashFilmcast.com. This week we're talking about The Meg, which is not a movie about a girl named Megan. It is a movie about a giant shark. The number one movie in America. It is indeed. It is indeed. Um, So check that out at SlashFilmcast.com. All right. Let's wrap the show up now our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a 
Rich, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. I love music, as I mentioned it. And I've got a couple of uh, musicians that I would strongly recommend people check out. Uh, they are Delta Ray. Uh, Delta Ray, two words. Ray spelled R-A-E. And they are First Aid Kit. Delta Ray is a North Carolina-based band. Both Delta Ray and, Amer- uh, and uh, First Aid Kit are what I would call Americana, but they don't fit neatly into that genre. Uh, Delta Ray, they're starting a, a residency in Nashville in September. I accidentally uh, stumbled uh, upon them at live, saw them play live, and the energy and the talent absolutely took over the room, and I've been a huge fan of theirs since. Uh, so again, Delta Ray and First Aid Kit are a pair of Swedish sisters that just make some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard in my life. And so, yeah, if you like music, hit your Spotify button or your Apple Music button and search up those two. And I will be shocked if you don't really enjoy what you're hearing within about 30 to 60 seconds. So that's my parting gift. So are those two different uh, artists? Two different artists. Delta Ray is one and okay. First Aid Kit is the other. Very cool. Christian, how about you? Got a parting gift? I do. It is not new, but I am revisiting them for a a project I'm working on, Um, and they're excellent. Grant Morrison's JLA run, which you can find um, five um, soft cover books or find them digitally on Comixology or or whatever as well, Um, but five kind of collected volumes collects his run. The, The series continued after he left it. But that run of JLA, if you have not read it, um, I, I can't recommend them enough, especially if you like DC and you feel, um, I actually, I've been very excited about the, the new GL, JLA, which I have not read yet or the new justice league. Um, but I love the talent that's attached to it and the direction that DC seems to be going, but Morrison's JLA run, um, Jeff, I know you were a Marvel zombie, but did you ever read that run of his? I did not. I will let you borrow it when I am uh, I done again that. or in between yeah. sessions. I love Grant it, Morrison, man. He's awesome. It's incredible. And this is all all of the things you like about Grant, where it's like yeah. psychedelic space for one part, like down to earth, get to know the characters, like the inside of their, what makes them tick, uh, yeah. like infighting between teammates to best friend superhero romp. Like he does everything. And I think it's issues one through 44. Uh, something like that. But uh, Grant Morrison's JLA run, it is a, a comic run that has held up, in my opinion, extremely well. These aged well for being 90s comics. <laughs> uh, we got a listener-suggested parting gift, which you can send in if you want to have your parting gift on the show. You can send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this one comes all the way from Germany, uh, Berlin, Germany, to be exact. This is Daryl, who says... Uh, here's another parting gift recommendation. It's a new podcast called Everything is Alive, where the host interviews a bunch of inanimate objects. <laughs> the first episode, Lewis, Can of Cola, was just released. It's original, smart, and very funny. Uh, Everything is Alive, wherever you get your podcast. The first episode is so short. You can check it out yourself if you have the time. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, and he gives us some compliments about doing the show. So thank you, Daryl, very, very much. Uh, again, that's called Everything is Alive, and you can find it at everythingisalive.com. Uh, sounds like a very clever premise. And I'm it's great. Sure uh, they debuted the first episode on 99PI a couple of weeks ago as well. It's part um, of Podcastopia, I believe, is that network? It's it's really funny. So people are clever. 
people are clever. Uh, my parting gift is a is a show that a lot of people have have uh, told me to watch. I've been sleeping on it. I sleep on it no more, and I urge you not to sleep on it if you have as well. HBO's uh, recent show Succession, which just concluded its first season, I didn't even start watching it until after the first season finale aired. But that's better for me because I can just binge watch it all on HBO Go uh, or HBO Now or whatever, Now Go or Go Now or whatever it is. Anyway, Succession is phenomenal. Oh, my God. It's so good. It is basically like the Rupert Murdoch story, if you can see behind the scenes. It it is – Brian Cox plays this sort of uh, magnate of media and he's got newspapers and TV – channels and all kinds of stuff and a really messed up family uh and he it's just the inner it's very shakespearean it's just the inner workings of that family as they backstab and backbite each other and the acting is incredible across the board and it's it's just a very very good show succession highly recommend it highest possible recommendation all right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Rich Grisham and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat rooms for being here in real time as well. We really appreciate you guys making the show better. And uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star. We appreciate you guys as well. Thank you to everybody listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put into the world. Make it a better place.